When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, Her Hoops Dets fans, welcome to another episode of Her Hoops Dets Unplugged. As always, you're here with Megan Gower, and you might have noticed, but it's a little bit early in the week for an Unplugged episode, but we figured we'd hop on for at least a short episode to recap the first round of NCAA tournament games. We've seen some great upsets over the last couple days, so I wanted to talk about those, some of the great games that we've seen, and all the news surrounding the NCAA tournament so far. To do that, I'm here with Aaron Barzilai. Hey, Aaron, how's it going? Doing okay. Thanks for uh, hopping on for a bonus podcast today. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. We're almost all the way through the first rounds. Oregon and UCLA are playing right now. Looks like they both have uh, the higher seat there, so um, have pulled out to pretty big leads in this first quarter. So looks like Chalk might hold in those, though. They're late games, so anything could happen still on those. But otherwise, we are through the first round. I think a pretty quiet first day, no upsets at all in the first day of action, but plenty of upsets today. There were. How's your bracket? Is it busted? <laughs> it's not busted, per se. I don't think I did well at picking the upsets in the first round, but I've still got plenty of potential future points. Texas A&M almost busted my bracket, I will say. I think I have them in my final four. So oh, That's right. I uh, remember from your podcast you did with Calvin and uh, Jen last week that you you said that. I got to say, I'm more line up with Calvin and Jen. I'm pro-Maryland. Um, <laughs> I think that you're a little low on them, and I think you're a little high on any A&M. So. Um, but it would be interesting to see if they kind of bounce back from this and um, really play well in the round of 32. Yeah, I thought, you know, Troy also came out and looked good, and they, they came back from that, that first half deficit, really played well in the second half, and, I mean, we can get into it, but the refs at the end, I think, really cost Troy the game, and I don't like to say that it's the refs that caused them caused teams the games, but I think this was a pretty clear case of that. I think so, but I said on Slack that um, I don't, even though the call was clearly wrong, I don't know that I think they cost them the game on that over and back or 
back and back, I guess, of the wrestle call. And I oh, we should uh, monitor our uh, Twitter feed because I know that Doug Feinberg said he was going to get the AP pool report statement. Um, but I don't think I had seen that, um, before we hopped on here. Um, but yeah, no, I, to me, the bigger issue was that, um, opportunity to go up by one on an and one that was yeah. called, uh, a charge that was, I think really the hard one. I think if, uh, they called the over and back, I mean, that's still a very tough spot to, um, you know, either tie it or take the, take the lead, right. Especially for a team that was, I think what, four of 23 from three and, uh, only shoots 32% from three. Uh, all season so not exactly their strength so i don't think the over and back blew it for them but it was just kind of the cumulative effect of those i think three calls right right yeah i would say it's two i think you know the back the over and back call was the you know the cherry on top of kind of just icing it for yes. A&M. but yeah i mean there was the, the charge call that was pretty questionable really could have probably been a blocking foul and given them the m1 to potentially take the lead there kind of late in the fourth quarter and then back on the other end there was the the questionable tripping call and Regardless of whether you think that was the right call, I think it was definitely called on the wrong player and caused one of Troy's uh, players to foul out there. And and then mm. you over and back uh, call at the end there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. just kind of a combination of three calls that I don't want to say decided the fate of the game because who knows what would have happened, but it definitely had a hand in deciding that game. Absolutely. Definitely tip the scale. I'm very comfortable saying that. Um, I will say I did just check on Twitter. Doug Feinberg has the pool statement. He's the, apparently uh, Penny Davis said this was an extremely close play. The officials judged that control of the basketball was not gained until the Texas A&M player was in the backcourt. It was as close as they come. No camera or person had a better angle on the play than the official. All right. Um, what do you think of that? I feel like even if no camera had a better angle, you can, you know, slow down the play in a, in a camera, which is, you know, see what actually happened versus the call on the floor. They spent plenty of time reviewing in the end of that game to make sure they got it down to the correct tenth of a second. Yeah. But didn't review that. So I, I still think it's pretty That was my point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I mean, I thought that was ridiculous. Like, if you're going to try and get it right, like, at least you know yeah <laughs> um you know you want to be able to be reviewing that play right in the grand scheme of things for all the stuff that we do review or whatever they that one should be um so yeah so really disappointing exciting game um yeah. and you know definitely i felt like i was buzzing i gotta say it feels like a little bit of a letdown right like the adrenaline high yeah um, games <laughs> and the sort of i guess that was a third window fourth window the sort of early primetime window um you know weren't that close and the same you know, it looks like here for the late game. So uh, I felt between that and Iowa State, Michigan State was like happening simultaneously. Too, right. Right. So I didn't really, you know, I was kind of trying to watch it on my phone, but I just, you know, didn't know where to keep my eyes. And, you know, I like to be in suspense, especially when you've got the TV live with the um, scores up top, but then you're <laughs> on your phone. So I had that for Troy uh, and, uh, and then I had it on my phone. But then I was like, oh, wait, I'm going to find out what happened in the Iowa State game before on the TV before I see the play. So I was like, oh, do I pause it? You know, I was all debating. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that's another close game, too. Uh, a lot of close games. Shout out also to Stephen F. Austin, SFA, right? Stephen F. Austin yes, for yeah. um, their performance. Uh, I guess that was yesterday. Everything's a blur. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that was yesterday. <laughs> it is all boring um, together and it's been a lot of basketball in the last two days <laughs> yeah yeah so but uh but, but yeah. good close game it's gonna be yeah a and i was not so high on them right so did this lower your uh 
your odds? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Jen Calvin and I kind of talked about this region of the bracket particularly last week a lot, but it feels like one that's kind of prone for upsets. And I think, you know, today we saw very well that, you know, A&M really struggled. And without the refs calling those few calls, the game might have lost this one. So I think if they continue to play like they did today going into the next rounds, they're definitely going to be an upset watch. Definitely. I, uh, yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Yeah. And you know, we were talking about all the basketball and how it's all blur. Do you have like, I have a total fear of missing out, uh, on this week. It's actually kind of overwhelming to me, especially, um, trying to also keep an eye if there's on the off chance, there's a good men's game. I mean, I'm sure you watch as a UConn fan, you watched, uh, sorry to bring it up. The UConn men lose like they're advancing a little further this year. Um, so, but yeah, it's just like, there's so much, so much basketball happening. Um, one thing I'm actually excited about is that because of the different schedule this year, there's no, I guess, usually it's only one day different, but now it's two between the men and the women. Right. So like we're going to have Tuesday and Wednesday to ourselves for the women, which I think would be nice. Yeah, I think that's going to be awesome and probably also helps the the viewership too, because like you said, like, I mean, I watch all the women's games, but I also watch a lot of the men's games. So I'm watching like six screens at once and, you know, most people are probably are not doing that. So I am too. I don't know how you do it. You know, I feel like I used to be able to kind of multitask a little bit, um, but now I don't. I just, I, I can't handle it. I just need to have one screen. I need to be focused. I need to know what's going on. I feel like I'm not watching anything if I'm watching too many things. <laughs> yeah, I like rearranged my entire living room. So I like brought my TV that's in my bedroom downstairs and so i've got my big tv my bedroom tv and like a third monitor going down here now <laughs> you right are from connecticut and went to connecticut right yeah so the absolute uh power move we used to do when i was in grad school at stanford is we would move the tv outside and we'd be like <laughs> you know this time of year it's getting you know getting warmer and we'd be like out there and shorts on a couch or something <laughs> on the porch uh they're not much better than uh watching the watching the first weekend of march Madness uh you know outdoors although i will say um, i think we'll talk a little bit more about some of the um equality and equity issues but did you see the thing about um how apparently like they are not letting the women uh women's side use the phrase march madness did you know that there was a wall street I journal article about that, know that i've missed that one i've seen obviously plenty of other issues <laughs> that's another one to add to the list i guess that's ridiculous it is march madness like i to me march madness refers to all of it i like it's not an exclusive to the men's thing that's ridiculous and i think we all use the phrase but i think yeah. you know they, they pointed out in this article like if you look on the court it doesn't say march madness they rebranded mm-hmm. the men's that blue logo that says march madness very clearly and um, I guess when the, I'm sorry, it's like the Wall Street Journal. Uh, maybe if you talk more later, I'll look up who the uh, author was. But it was a really good article that I briefly read in the in between all the games, maybe on a commercial break or something. And uh, yeah, so it said something about how um, they sort of decided, even though they had the trademark for the men and the women, which I guess was a whole other legal issue to get the trademark, because uh, they only got it in like 93 or something, mm-hmm. that uh, <laughs> that they intentionally made sure to get it for them, or not in nature, but got it for all basketball. But then like they sort of not let the women use it in any of the branding. And uh, so the court just says NCAA women's basketball um, for, for the games we're watching. And then on the men's side, it says March Madness. And they put, apparently they put out a statement that, um, the uh they sort of talk to the leadership on the women's side 
uh, you know, five years ago and they wanted to go with their own kind of unique branding, which like when you say it that way, it sort of sounds like, oh, sure. Like, let's do something special for them. But then um, apparently Anusha Brown, formerly Anusha Brown Sanders, uh, was in charge of the NCAA women's basketball at the time. And so once the author, uh, the reporter contacted her, like within a hour, the NCAA put out a new statement. Like, oh, sorry, we were confused. We, that, that didn't actually happen. Um, so they left it out. So, yeah, well, more craziness. Yeah, we can talk about more of that once we get through these upsets. But yeah, I mean, just it's infuriating every morning. I feel like there's something new and it's just like, come on. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, for us, I mean, I'm kind of. I don't know what to do about it. Right. I mean, like, I mean, some of it's like which tweet, but then like, I think it needs more people than, uh, you know, like us right. doing it stuff is- isn't really going to have a huge impact. I got to yeah. say, I saw, I didn't watch it. Right. But um, I guess Robin Roberts um, on good morning America, talked to Christine Brennan and someone else about the issues. And so it's like, it would actually be interesting if like, what we really need to do is like all hassle, um, you know, like the big wigs that, you mm-hmm. know, places that were for you know whether it's you know mark emmert or something and like it seems like a robin roberts like led a crusade uh you know or uh you know the espn's influence right and she just sort of ran it up the the flagpole to disney like she would have a little more um of a chance to have an impact than you or i i think a little more impactful exactly yeah i don't know i've kind of been disappointed with the lack of action from the ncaa like because yeah the weight rooms got fixed and stuff but it's like not like the ncaa really did anything it's like companies like dicks and orange Theory yeah. that jumped in and donated things which like hats off to those companies for stepping in and making sure these women have what they need to do to compete at the level that they're competing but the ncaa is a huge company and a huge organization they can afford to put the equipment there it shouldn't require dicks and the orange theory to step in and donate things at the last hour to make sure these women have what they have they should have had it to begin with and then the ncaa should have stepped up and fixed it once they got called out yeah, and I just, you know, can't imagine being in the meetings. And I mean, I understand, like, there's a smaller budget and, and all that <laughs> stuff. And, um, uh, you know, and it's actually interesting. I was debate. I was, I don't know enough, but I was sort of asking myself the question, like, clearly Title IX applies to the schools, right? Yeah. But I wonder if it applies to the NCAAs and organization itself. I don't think it does. And I think, I want to say Kelsey Trainer yeah. had an article on this on Twitter, and I read some of it. I didn't read it in detail, but I think it does just imply to the institutions. But I mean, in principle, like the NCAA, like, which is in charge these, of enforcing yeah. these, this and all these institutions should be also, you know, following it. Even if they're not really <laughs> obligated to, they should still be following it. Yeah, yeah. But it makes it, it makes it, yeah. No, as I understand, it makes it harder, right? They should obviously be doing it. It's just, it's the right thing to do. And yeah, it's crazy. But I mean, you know, I will say, so a lot of things have gotten a lot of, attention with respect to kind of the different treatment. Uh, but a couple of the ones that have not gotten a ton of treatment that uh, I wanted to, or attention that I wanted to mention, I think it's weird that there are broadcasters at the men's games, but not at the women's game. I don't, yeah. under, and, I, and we want to um, shout out Renee Montgomery in a second here uh, or now, but um, I don't understand why they've been allowing that. And then also fans, right? Like, you know, there've been some talk, you know, about, you know, trying to get media in, but like, especially because like i don't think family members have been allowed to go to these games right and so, I think so. Or are they My allowed understanding is that friends and family is allowed for the for the women's games for these first two rounds but oh, fans, right, right. Like, ticketed fans are not allowed to 
the Sweet 16, but the men ticketed fans were allowed for the first two rounds. Right. So why is and it so like, right? yeah, just, right? Like if it's, right. it's, it's clear. I mean, I don't understand how it could be a health and safety issue at that point. Like what's right. like, do they have worse air circulation in uh, Texas? Like, I mean, it is the, I don't, you know, in the summer maybe, but uh, I guess Indianapolis gets pretty humid too, I think. Right. So, yeah. um, so, so like, I just don't understand like what motivates a decision. Like I can, almost understand if you're like just looking at the budget you could say oh we don't have money for aware like i mean it's wrong but like you can sort of at least imagine someone in a meeting looking at the budget item say well we've got our choice of spending money on x or y and we'll choose x right even though they should choose x and y Mm -hmm. but like the the fan thing just i don't understand how that decision why it's a different decision yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of decisions. I don't understand why it's different. The testing being different, I think it to me is baffling. And well, then I could see yeah, that's a case where I can say that well, it costs X or Y, and so like if yeah, they, they don't have the budget, they admit, like I can at least imagine someone trying to make the. <laughs> I agree, I agree, but I can at least imagine someone making the money argument there. I just can't imagine the money argument for the fan part, right? Right. The, the, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And, or the you know if the I don't know what the agreement is, right? But I don't understand how it saves the NCA money to not have the broadcasters there in person, right? Yeah, I don't understand. So those are a couple. I mean, all, all the issues you brought up are, are are important too, but those are the ones that I brought up are a couple that I don't think has been discussed quite as much. Yeah, and the broadcasters one is interesting. I think ultimately, like the broadcasters have been doing a phenomenal job from their, you know, respective homes and whatever. And like you said, shout out to Renee Montgomery because I think this is the first time we've really heard her as an analyst for women's college basketball. But I think she's been absolutely fantastic. I've loved having her on the call in these games. I'm loving her. I'm a little worried she's going to Wally Pip uh, Debbie Antonelli, right? She and Beth have been great. And so, fortunately, Debbie's got a good good gig this week, first weekend of the of the tournament covering the men's game. And Lisa Byington too did a great job. Uh, on the men's as well. She had a couple of awesome, memorable games there too. So, but yeah, Renee Montgomery really, really enjoyed um, hearing her. Just kind of, I don't know, it feels like there's good um, energy and, uh, you know, it just kind of comes through the television, I guess, uh, in a way that makes the, the broadcast itself feel more lively. Yeah, exactly. I love her energy. And I think you get the very obvious, like, she just clearly knows the game so well, which she played in the W, of course she does, but I think it just, it comes through in her analysis so well, and it's been really fun to hear her, you know, on the call, and I think also just her, like, blatant honesty, like, during that Texas A&M game, she was not afraid to say that she didn't like the calls that the rest were making, which I mean, everyone was thinking it, but it's it's nice to hear it on the broadcast, and like, you know, get a little bit of confirmation that we're all not just crazy while we're watching it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, she and Beth, I, yeah, I tweeted out about the two of them because, again, they did a great job. And, I, yeah, it was very clear what they thought. They were polite. So a lot of people on Twitter were complaining that they weren't harsher, which, like, I don't know. I'm kind of maybe too polite myself. So um, I, you know, I don't think there was any ambiguity to anyone that was watching. So I think mission accomplished. And, uh, um, yeah, you know, I think on the men's side, they don't, like, tend to, to be super harsh uh, on the officials as well because you know mm-hmm. clearly it was i thought they were not good calls as we were talking about but but it also was a tough job and i uh, don't want to underestimate how hard it is to be a to be a ref yeah for sure but yeah she's been fantastic i am looking forward to seeing more games from her called hopefully in the next in a few days of the tournament so yeah and did you catch uh, i think rebecca loba right like called a game and then she was like in studio oh yeah <laughs> amazing and then i don't know how ryan the other thing is like i just don't understand how like they're so talented at the the broadcasters at how we should talk about the players but like the ability to know like who all these players are that they like presumably had never 
you know, some of the smaller schools hadn't heard of uh, all that long ago. Uh, it's quite impressive. I could never do that. I'd be fumbling on the names all the time, you know, and like maybe it's my my eyes aren't good enough anymore. But uh, I just don't, especially when it's only on TV as opposed right, to uh, yeah. <laughs> um, in person. It's crazy. Yeah, they have been phenomenal. But yeah, let's talk more about the players. So we had a couple other big upsets today. We talked about the almost upset of Texas A&M. But then I think the biggest one of the day is that Wright State gets it done over Arkansas. Uh, so the four seed Arkansas. Yeah. I didn't get to watch that one live, um, but I watched the end of it. Uh, you know, I watched the end of it before we came on. And man, Wright State was so poised. I thought that uh, it was super impressive. There was a moment there where um, you know it looked like they were gonna um, you know give it up, but uh, no, they uh, they held on. Um, Arkansas Wright hit. Uh, I think Dungey maybe was hit a three. And went up by one. You were just like, okay, that's it. Arkansas has kind of made their comeback. And then Wright State answered um, uh, with the three. And then I believe they had another one as well um, that got them to, I think that's the one that got them to 66. Angel Baker, maybe at the second one. And uh, yeah, it was just, you know, they were squared up. It wasn't rushed. It wasn't off balance. It was just solid. And uh, I just thought that was pretty impressive. Arkansas, you know, the fascinating team, right? Such highs and lows, I think, this season. And, uh, you know, Wright State. Uh, doing it uh, was just very impressive. It'll be interesting to see how they do in the uh, round of 32. Agreed, agreed. I also didn't get to watch it live, you know, day job problems, <laughs> all these games that are on in the middle of the day. But um, yeah, I think Arkansas's kind of backcourt just really struggled to hit shots. They None of them shot well from the floor. Dungey finished with, I think, 30 or close 27. to 27 points. But yeah. I mean, she wasn't that she got to the line a bunch, but from the floor, she still struggled. Um, and obviously, she kind of tried to do it. It seems like she kind of tried to do it all for Arkansas. And they they needed someone else to step it up there, too, to get that win. And they don't. But hats off to Wright State, the biggest upset that we saw today. And I'm interested to see how they do as they go to the round of 32. They'll have to play Missouri State. So we've got double mid-majors in that game. That's good. Yeah. Good for the mid-majors. I always love that. It was Missouri State's a very talented team. Uh, the other game that I did um, watch a little bit of was uh, Belmont-Gonzaga. Um, so that was also very... Uh, Destiny Wells was uh, quite impressive. I don't think I've ever watched her live before. Uh, but she you know, just jumped off the screen. Yeah, I think that was an interesting one. I feel like Belmont is a team that you've heard about, at least in terms of women's basketball, right? I don't think oh, yeah. it was last year, but maybe it was two years ago. They had pretty big like a conference tournament run, and then I can't remember if they came up with an upset in the NCAA tournament, but it's it's definitely a team that's at least on my radar in terms of being a really strong women's basketball program. But yeah, they get it done over Gonzaga. Um, so Gonzaga was the five seed, uh, which, you know, right there with Missouri State for the highest seeded mid-majors but they they drop out in the first round but then of course their their conference mate BYU pulls off one of the other bigger upsets of the day <laughs> yeah and I felt bad you know I was like sort of I like Gonzaga right you're sort of rooting for a team like that to do well we actually have them pretty high in our her hoop stats rating I don't know where they are on the net but uh but yeah so BYU uh, carrying the torch, right, for the West Coast Conference uh, with that 69-66 win over Rutgers. And, um, yeah, you know, again, they were just uh, it was a pretty impressive team. Uh, Pais right, Paisley Harding, right, um, uh, 
it was uh yeah you know all name team i was uh joking with jen that uh we should have like a patterns uh category she said that harding <laughs> right she's in the president's category already but uh we could start something my other idea was uh with a name like paisley we could have a prince category <laughs> um people with purple and um but yeah right so harding had 28 points um and garantes i think i was looking this up earlier i believe garantes had uh, the most points yeah she had 30 um i was trying to look at who's had the most points in the first round um because i was looking at earlier oh no she had the second most point jordan lewis for alabama had 32 today all right but i think actually in that last game the bradley texas game leisha oh petrie Flasher Peter, yeah. Hadley uh, also tied that. So she had 32 as well. She looked really good. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a little, I don't know. I was not sure if our stats have updated. They probably have at this point. I'm looking on our, uh, in the wrong database. But uh, yeah, so, you know, that game was close. Rutgers, right, had that foul um, three-pointer at the end that kind of, you know, at some level sort of <laughs> clinched is a little bit of a strong word. But, uh, um, you know, that was probably the key moment of the game there. And, and I guess what was it? Twenty six sixteen was the uh, score in the fourth quarter. Yeah, for BYU. Yeah. So yep. um, BYU finishing strong there. Yep, finishes strong, gets the win, and they get to face Arizona in the round of thirty two. So that should be an interesting game as well. Yeah, I think you know. I mean, I'm an Arizona fan. I actually, uh, you know, like went to, you know, you know, sort of grew up in, in Arizona, like elementary school, middle school, high school. And uh, so definitely fans of them, but you know, they've also been very vulnerable. So I think there's a, a chance there that uh, that's going to be a close, close game. Yeah, that's definitely on my games to watch for Wednesday. Here's to hoping that it's not in the middle of the day, maybe with Arizona, though, that might be a late tip one. So <laughs> Oh yeah. All packed up. You don't need, you can't do your sling yet, by the way. <laughs> no, I haven't. So I actually don't have like any cable. So I've been using it to watch these two. I need it for like the ESPN. Got it. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Let's take a look here um, at our new. We've got our new predictive model, uh, as you know, that we released just before the tournament started. And yeah, I guess we'd give Arizona like a 66% chance to win BYU 34. But, um, you know, as we've seen, anything can happen. Yeah, and honestly, that seems like pretty high odds for BYU as an 11 seed, right? Like when you're looking at a 3-11 game, I wouldn't be surprised to see it. The odds being more yeah. in Arizona's favor. So. I think part of that is our hoop stats rating is a little lower on Arizona than their seed. So, right. Which I think is fair. I think we've seen Arizona be very good at times this season, and obviously Ari McDonald is fantastic, but they do struggle at times, and I think we've seen them struggle big time, especially in games like against Stanford. They've really, really had a hard time scoring, so I'll, I'll be interested. Yeah, well, Stanford know. Stanford is understandable. You know, they right. lost to Arizona, <laughs> lost to Arizona State um, at Arizona State at the end of February. They lost to Washington State again on the road in OT. Um, so they're clearly – it's po clearly possible for a team of the quality of BYU to uh, upset them. Yeah. And just speaking of Pac-12 teams right now, though, that struggle kind of down the stretch, Oregon here, in the, they're in the second quarter, I believe, of this game. So it's almost halftime, but they're up 34 to 8 on South Dakota. <laughs> oh, no. I was hoping to see, um, after we finished up, Hannah, Sir, I always forget how to... Uh, pronounce her name Shervin, um, who was on our Hammond Award, uh, Becky Hammond Award uh, finalist list. She's one of the five finalists, right? And so, um, looking forward to seeing her play. 
but uh, yeah, that is rough. But wait, they've got no points, and uh, there's only 46 seconds left in the, and they haven't scored yet in the second quarter. Yeah, so definitely a rough second quarter. Well, first quarter too. Honestly, only eight points in the first. Well, <laughs> this is a rough couple of quarters for South Dakota. There, I actually think I had that upset picked in my bracket, so <laughs> gonna uh, a little bit more in our bracket challenge standings. I, I thought you were packed. I thought you were packed twelve, ride or die. <laughs> I mean, I do like Oregon, but just thought they had stumbled a lot over the last, you know, handful of games. I think they lost five of their last six coming into the tournament. So. Mm. Had I some- will say our, that's one where her hoop stats rating is a little higher on them than conventional wisdom. So um, that's good for us, I guess. Yeah, no, it's pretty rough when you're losing a quarter nine to nothing. And that's actually better than you did in the, in the first quarter. <laughs> so, yeah, interesting, I guess. I don't know how much this tells us about. Oregon or just like South Dakota is really struggling right now. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, just looking here at the yeah. scoreboard on ESPN. I will also point out that Hannah Shervin has six of South Dakota's eight points in the, yeah. sec- in the first half. So yeah, rough, rough start for them. Um, I guess things could change though. They're down by less than 20. There's still a lot of time. You never know. We saw Troy almost come back from down 16 against A&M today. So anything yeah. can happen. And um yeah, right. In that SFA game, they were up, I think, 34 or 17. Yeah. Yep. Before time before. Yeah. Well, anything can happen. The fun of March Madness. I'm calling it March Madness, even though NCAA doesn't want me to. So. Definitely. <laughs> we all know what we talk, we're, we're talking about, right? Yeah. So, um, that's fine. I mean, I, I will confess, too, on that topic, right? Like, I, I call it the NCAA tournament, right? Like, everybody right. here listening knows what we're talking about. So. Exactly. Oh, you know, this, by the way, a score update, South Dakota, it just went to halftime. South Dakota did score a point in the <laughs> second quarter. So it's currently 34 to nine. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> so yeah, an uphill battle up for South Dakota there in the second half. And I think same case on the UCLA game. Uh, UCLA is up 40 to 26 over Wyoming. So looks like Chuck will probably hold in those. Yeah. And I think that's kind of typical i mean i will say you know again looking ahead towards uh i'm really excited really for the second round i actually think i'm more excited for that than the first round usually uh, on the women's side whereas in contrast on the men's side i tend to be more <laughs> excited about the first round and the second round it's kind of like eh, not super excited and then you know for both of them get excited with the sweet 16 again but there's gonna be a lot of good matchups in the uh second round here yeah, for sure. I think the one I'm definitely circling on my schedule for tomorrow is that 3.30 Eastern game between Iowa and Kentucky in the Riverwalk region. I'm disappointed that this one is in the middle of the workday. I wish they had you know waited till 5 or even the primetime slot because I think this is probably one of the best games on the slate tomorrow, if not the best game. Um, but we've got Caitlin Clark and Ryan Howard facing off, which is going to be fun. Yeah, that's going to be a joy to watch, a treat to watch, I think. Yeah. And then, of course, they're fighting for a chance to play the winner of UConn-Syracuse, which could be another good one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I You know, obviously, UConn destroyed High Point, right? You mm-hmm. watched I, every minute of that, I assume? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hoping we're going to see a, a much closer game this time, right? Uh, I guess uh, Holly Rowe today, right? So the, Tiana, but uh, I guess she practiced today, right? So hopefully she'll be back on the court tomorrow, um, which obviously is crucial for Syracuse. 
Yeah, she was out there in the ATC tournament, but she did. She played 39 minutes in their first round game. Um, so she was back up for them for those. I think she had 11 points and seven assists in their first round oh, game. Right. Tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember that now. So, yeah, so no worse for the wear, apparently. Um, according yeah. To so, um, so that should be good. Yeah, no, it's a little, could be a little rough, though, with the two number one seeds playing at nine o'clock tomorrow night. Um, South Carolina and Baylor uh, playing at seven. So, yeah, we could end up with some blowouts. Um, you know, I do also wish the nice thing about the earlier games, right? NC State plays at three and then Iowa Kentucky's at three thirty, So it's a little more staggered. It is interesting mm-hmm. that ESPN and the NCAA have not chosen to stagger some of these games a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. I do like kind of, I don't know, I prefer the like two screens at seven and nine when I'm out of work to having to like four games that I'm going to miss during the day, but that's maybe it's a little selfish. Um, but no, but like, I would say like seven, seven thirty, nine. Yeah, that's true. Really stagger them so that the end of them is not all at the same time. I would agree with that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, not, yeah. I I don't need three or four games at seven, but, um, (laughs) yeah, that's all I'm going to just kind of stagger it so that they're kind of ending throughout the day. For instance, that Iowa state, Michigan state, right. I think more people. Yeah. So yeah, so those are going to be, um, good games. Yeah. We talked about BYU, uh, Arizona, Iowa state, Texas A&M's also on, um, uh wednesday right <laughs> it's mm-hmm. all the second day of the second round so uh you know i think the the matchups are going to get closer the games are going to get closer as they always are and um you know march is that you know we're, we're marching on to uh, the final <laughs> four yeah i think the other one i've got circled on my calendar for the second round too is that south carolina oregon state game at 7 p.m i think oregon state's probably a team that might be a little underseated. Uh, they didn't really get you know with all their covid pauses they kind of struggled at the beginning of the season didn't kind of got hot towards the end and of course their early enrollee as well has made a big difference there so that's when i've kind of got circled that's a potential upset tomorrow one to keep an eye on yeah, I guess they've won. They've only lost two of their last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, not 11 games. So they're definitely playing well. And uh, yeah, Leah Goodman, right, is uh, <laughs> a talent. So it'll be good to get her uh, some prime time as well there. So yeah, between her and Talia Von Olaf, and uh, shout out to Jen Hatfield for that article she wrote on early and release. That's, that was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, she's probably been the most impressive one, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think they're one to keep an eye on. They can really shoot the three, especially. So that always gives, you know, teams, I think, a, a little bit more of that upset potential flair because if you can knock them down from deep, um, if they can hit them from deep during that game, like, it always makes for a closer game. So interested to see that. I mean, I think South Carolina is still obviously the favorite, especially with Aaliyah Boston. If they just feed her inside, I think they're going to be fine. But something to keep an eye on. Yeah. And speaking of favorites before we go, like, have you, besides A&M, have you kind of changed your opinion about, I don't know, UConn or Stanford or anyone like that yet? Not really. I think, you know, both Stanford and UConn kind of came out and dominated yesterday as expected. I think maybe a little bit more so than some of the other uh, top seeds. So I think to me, those two teams still are at a bit of a different level, but I do think Baylor's right up with their, with them too. So I think, it's going to be real interesting come Elite Eight, assuming, you know, UConn and Baylor both get there in that Riverwalk region. And I think that game might be more mm. interesting than the Final Four game on that side of the bracket. <laughs> uh, it's certainly going to be equally interesting. I don't know yeah. if it's more interesting. So um, yeah, that's why they play the games. But yeah, certainly Baylor, you know, was it 101-52, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Pretty crazy. 
So, yeah, so good start for Baylor. Good start for really most of the good teams, except for a We'll see how they kind of answer the bell in this uh, second round and uh, take it from there. For sure. Thanks for hopping on to recap things from the first two days. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Megan. Thanks so much. That's all for this episode. Make sure you rate, like, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps more people find us in our work. Also, make sure you check out the stats site at herhoopstats.com, all of your NCAA women's basketball stats, and we have our new predictions along with the Hoop Stats rating, so make sure to check that out, our predictions for all of your upcoming NCAA tournament games. Um, also, make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter on Substack and following us on social at her hoop stats on all platforms to see our all of our coverage of the ncaa tournament thanks again for listening some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with allstate not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.